My name is Joshua Gilliland, attorney blogger on The Legal Geeks. With me today is novelist Jerry O'Brien, who is a political consultant in New York. Jerry, hey, how, Josh. how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing well. Well, my friend, we've had the mid-season premiere of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What did you think of the return of S.H.I.E.L.D. after the awesome run of Agent Carter? It's a little bittersweet. I, I really enjoyed Agent Carter, and I think like a lot of fans, there was an instant attraction to that show and an instant love for the character that really hasn't manifested itself. With Ag Agents of Field is a great show. I love it. It's fun. I want it to be successful. I want it to be the best superhero spy series it can be. Um it's firing on a lot more cylinders now than when it first premiered, you know, a, a year and a half ago. Uh, it was a good episode. I think they, um, they seem to have really embraced the superhero nature of the world that S.H.I.E.L.D. and its agents live in. And that's something they kind of danced around for the first year. And I think it's important that they do that. If they're going to have a TV series that's based on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there has to be an acceptance of superheroes as a common day-to-day -day staple of life. Agreed. And not just the random reference to the man thing during a Senate hearing. There has to be a little bit more on how it would impact society because that would be fairly life-changing. And they have talked about that. I mean, going back to the premiere of the show where we have Mike's son you know, talking about who is his favorite character, that sort of interaction. And so, like, there have been homages and allusions, but you think it would be more prevalent if you had a world where somebody could turn into a green raging Hulk and knock down a building. You think there would be more discussions about that at the dinner table? This, if you lived in a superhero world, I think those superheroes would leave a bigger footprint than what we've, we've heretofore seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and I realize the time and budgetary, budgetary constraints of a network TV show, uh, of course, an even better reason for future seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter to maybe go to Netflix or some other streaming uh, service so that they can do more with, do less with more or more with less or whatever. But there'd be a bigger footprint. You would see stuff. Uh, you know, I see no reason why they can't have shield agents walking down the hall past one of their labs and you know you can see a flash of light and make a reference to one of dr banner's experiments but there just has to be more and, and they're on the right they're in the right direction now um with gordon teleporting in and out to save reina with effects that are directly lifted from the x-men movie uh and nightcrawler uh it's a nice touch we spoke earlier how uh, the Inhumans appear to be inheriting the anti-mutant sentiments from the comics because Marvel can't use mutants in their cinematic or TV universe. The Gordon's of power range is interesting. So he doesn't have eyes, so he can, but still sense, still see. 
And when he teleports, it appears to be a force field that appears around him because the shield agents couldn't approach when that energy barrier was generated. Or that jet barrier was generated by some third party, perhaps, uh, you know, the Inhumans front office, so that he could come in, get her and get out. Um, I don't know. Yeah, either, either is possible. Either is possible, plausible. We'll probably find out sooner rather than later. So, I mean, like, we can go full fanboy and speculate, but that's just, it's interesting uh, where they're going to go. I mean, there are elements of the show that I absolutely love. It is one of my favorites. I enjoy watching it, and I do wish uh, for like, more things to happen, more connections to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I do think they're on the right path. I do think they are making the right things happen, uh, and that's a good thing. And, but I, I did love Carter. I mean, one, one option they could have on S.H.I.E.L.D. is do less episodes. Same budget, less episodes, more effects. Uh, it worked well for Carter. Maybe do another spinoff series uh, so that you've got 12 episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. every year, six to eight episodes of Agent Carter, and another six to ten episodes of some other S.H.I.E.L.D. variant. Maybe Mockingbird. Maybe, I don't know. They have options. Well, let's let's dig in a little bit to this episode. So we, we pick up after... Trip's death, which has had an impact on the team, and we have Coulson's pep talk that focuses on I will crush them, I will make them pay, and I thought of Captain Picard in First Contact with, with the Moby Dick speech at that point, with, with the freak out. And out of character for him. Out of character for him. It was very I'm gonna I want revenge, which is again out of his character, which was cool because Clark Gregg did an awesome job showing I am super angry. Uh, did they engage in full-on international vigilanteism at that point, or what do you what do you what would you call that? Well, I think yes, but at this point, since they're no longer a government-sanctioned agency, just about anything they do is vigilanteism. It's just a question of whether they're doing it domestically or in, or internationally. Um, and I, when I saw the, when I heard the the "I will crush them" comment by uh, Colson, I'm reminded of the fact that what we are watching is really not Nick Fury and his agents of Shield. It's the comic book version of Jasper Sitwell and his agents of Shield. Colson is kind of a more not nerdy. Well, he's a geek. He's an admitted geek because he collected Captain America cards when he was a kid and still has them. But he's, he's not the kind of, uh, you know, adventure hero that you would expect like a Clint Eastwood or even a, a Nick Fury. He's his own guy. And I think they benefit more when he embraces that geekiness and that nerdiness and the fact that, you know, he's not the, the typical kind of action hero. Going over the top like that and like they did later in the episode, you know, where they were pretending to get shot up. You'll never take us alive. Remind me of Rocky Dies Yellow uh, with Jimmy Cagney. Uh, only Jimmy, Jimmy Cagney was a better actor in that context and Phil was just pretending. But they made light of that. And that was good. That was, which I thought, I mean, like when they did that scene, I thought, well, this is totally out of character. It has to, which then meant for me, it's like, this has to be some setup that they're doing. And it was. And 
what a ruthless way to take out Hydra. And for an organization that was huge with thousands of red dots littering North America, that was a quick takedown of the leadership. It was too quick, first of all. And secondly, um, what we saw were the titular leaders of, of Hydra, uh, the Baroness, the Sheik, the banker. And as I said to you earlier, you know, kind of stereotypical. I was waiting to see the Eskimo, the nun, and the Central American drug lord as the other potential leaders of Hydra. They got rid of them too fast, a little too stereotypically. And having thousands of members of Hydra just seems too unmanageable for me. I think it's a lot easier to secretly take over an international espionage agency if you've got a handful of agents in key places. Having thousands of them, it's a logistical nightmare. Agreed. And managing it and leadership and then figuring out health care and benefits and everything else, it's way complicated. Way complicated. Plus, plus if you're a Hydra agent working for S.H.I.E.L.D., you've got to get some kind of a bonus pay. You know, there's got to be a secondary payroll there. How do they work that out? I mean, what's the benefit package there other than global domination? Do, do Hydra agents working for S.H.I.E.L.D. get dental? I would hope so. I mean, you know, does the Affordable Air, uh, Care Act apply to them? Probably. But they are a terrorist organization, so that changes it. So ah, anyway, I digress. Let's talk about Reyna. So Gordon appears after Reyna's killed two people and put three in critical condition, and there's a huge... Um, chase to find her and to capture her. And Gordon takes her away. Is Gordon working for the Inhumans or is he part of the Deviants? What's your thoughts? Well, up until now, I've thought that, that he was part of the Inhumans because he was clearly nurtured by and trained by Sky's mom. We saw that in one of the opening scenes in the 1983 flashback. But, you know, it strikes me, and we, we talked a little bit about how the Inhumans movie isn't going to premiere for four and a half, almost five years. And it, it seems to me that they can't continue this Inhuman storyline that long. So maybe teasing us with some Inhumans who are, who appear to be Inhumans, but are actually deviants, and not really showing the true Inhumans and their city until the movie premieres is a smarter way to go. Tease us with the deviants. Give us a, a taste of what those powers will look like and feel like after the people have been exposed to the Terrigen mists. But you don't have to go too far down the rabbit hole because they're a splinter group. They're the bad guys of the Inhumans world. I, I think that makes a little more sense just from the amount of time that we have until what November 2nd, 2018 is when the Inhumans movie comes out. That's a lifetime in a TV series and sure they could abandon it and go someplace else. Uh, but I, I don't think they can afford to spend that much more time on the Inhuman storyline simply because I don't see Marvel holding a major potential major film franchise that won't open for almost five years Hell Ransom to a TV series with a weekly episodic nature in the here and now. They'll tease us with a little bit. We'll, we'll get a glimpse of the Inhumans, certainly the, the Deviants, 
And then you'll see something happen like what happened in the Fantastic Four comic book uh, storyline back in the 60s where, after we met the Inhumans, where the, the Inhumans leader Black Bolt seals off their city. I think it was actually uh, uh, his brother. Uh, was it Mad Max? Maximus? That sounds right, but I'm fogging on all the inhuman names. Basically, uh, Black Bolt's brother seals off the city from the rest of the Earth for a period of several years. You can't get in or get out of, of that city. So that kind of puts the inhumans on hold for a couple of years. So we get a taste of them. We meet a few of them. Maybe meet Medusa. Maybe meet Gorgon or um, one of the other inhumans but we don't really get the full exposure to them so that Marvel can develop that on its own for the film franchise. Yeah. But what will, yeah. What will Lockjaw look like? You know, and there's, there's a reason why the uh, humans have a eugenics program. So you don't get uh, horrific results where people turn into a potted plant or a animal or suffer severe mental, uh, diminished mental capacity by what they turn into. Lockjaw was adorable, though. a big slobbering dog. I mean, who can teleport you? It, it, it is an awesome idea, but that used to be a dude. So that's, that's the problem. Wasn't that one of Black Bolt's brothers who ends up becoming Lockjaw? That postdates my familiarity with the Inhumans storyline. I'm more familiar with their original entree into the comic books in the mid-60s with the Fantastic Four. And in those days, Lockjaw was just this big slobbering bulldog who could teleport you anywhere in the world. Which again, awesome and super convenient. That would be neat. But if that used to be a dude, that sucks for the dude to be reduced to that. So, it does. Yeah, that would. I would not recommend that. Well, let's talk about Bobby and Mac. You know, spies within spies. Who do you think they're working for? Well, the first thought is they're working for Talbot or the U.S. government, but since they've been such a, a key part of Colson's operation for so many months now, they have direct knowledge that Colson is not a bad guy. Yes, he may be operating outside and without U.S. government sanction, but he's not plotting to take over the world. He's not destroying public property. He's not killing people. He's, he's killing Hydra agents. So they have direct first-hand knowledge of that. So I can't see them having uh, a, a law enforcement angle. I, I suspect the most likely thing is that they're working for Tony Stark. I, I agree with that. that. It's either Stark or Talbot, you know, that they are double agents. But everything that they've done has been consistent with law enforcement goals. They haven't stopped S.H.I.E.L.D. from taking out HYDRA. That's remained a consistent mission. It's they're, I think they're working for another law enforcement agency, but I think Stark is the likely connection, which would give Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a direct connection to Age of Ultron. Yeah, well, there's, there's serious rumors floating around that Hawkeye um, is going to make an appearance on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sometime around uh, the end of the season when, Agents of, uh, when Age of Ultron premieres. So that's a good connection there. Um, you know, what they're looking for is Nick Fury's foot locker that allowed him to, allowed Coulson to reboot S.H.I.E.L.D. after the events of the Winter Soldier. Maybe that would be used to shut 
Shield down if they thought Shield became a threat. Maybe they're still concerned about Colson being unpredictable because of what was done to him after the event of the original Avengers movie. Uh, they may, they just may not trust Colson. Max meltdown during the team meeting gone wrong, where he was yelling at Colson over Trip's death. Uh, there was obvious anger over Trip's death, which you would not think a double agent with Hydra would, would have that type of concern. Uh, he's questioned Coulson's mental capacity and goals openly, uh, direct to leadership. So that's, again, telling. And he was very upset over what happened to him in the Inhuman City and losing control and, and he references hurting those that, that he cared about. That sounds to me that he's a good guy, but working for a different good guy team. And so I'm, I'm going to go with Stark on this because this seems the type of thing that Tony would do. And uh, it just, it seems consistent with that. Plus, if you think about it, what does Tony Stark know about Phil Coulson at this point? Does he know that Coulson is alive? If he does, does he know the full story? Uh, if he knows that Coulson is alive and isn't sure or doesn't know that he was brought back by Fury using Kree technology, he may assume that there's something else going on. Or he, maybe he knows more about the Kree technology than we've been told, and that's why he has these people keeping an eye on Coulson. Well, there's the Maria Hill connection because Maria Hill knew Coulson was alive. She's appeared in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but she also went to go work for Tony Stark, who was privatizing global security. So that makes sense you know, that if you hire Maria Hill, she's going to tell you the secrets. You also remember that Hill gave up Coulson's location to Talbot, and then she promptly turned on Talbot. But Stark seems to be a likely candidate. Yeah, he's the likeliest suspect for me. Excellent. So I have another theory on what we could see, because I don't know if they're, they're guaranteeing that we'll have up through season six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to you know, up until the Inhumans movie. Uh, but the Cree, you know, Chris Pratt has stated that he would love to do a cameo on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if they have the Kree send an expedition to Earth, there's your way to get in a Chris Pratt cameo as Star-Lord. I mean, that would be a smart way to handle that. And you could get in a, a cat Kree Captain Marvel, uh, or you could just do a bunch of Kree spies running around on Earth, and then you have two espionage groups taking out each other. I think it's more likely that if, if Chris, Chris Pratt shows up as Star-Lord, it's going to be in a, um, a more secretive role. First of all, he will not have been back to Earth in almost 30 years, I guess. Uh -huh. um, there's that aspect to handle of it, his reunion with any family members, his grandfather might still be alive. Um, I can't see them having a major Cree confrontation on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. simply for budgetary reasons. To, to do the Kree properly and to have any kind of real advanced force come to Earth, that's very expensive. Oh, I'm not saying a large force. I'm saying send a spy or spies, you know. Yeah. 
you, you send the scout ship who has a team of five, just, just like the original Captain Marvel comic, which was a very small team. And they could encounter Star-Lord in space. So you don't have him go back to Earth. So there are a couple ways that they could do it. And, you know, this is just pure fanboy speculation. I'm like, it's likelihood low, but that would be the option. Um, that's definitely one way to do it if they wanted to do a Star-Lord cameo and get the get a manageable amount of Creta Earth who are not blue, but who could fit in with the rest of the population. I like the idea of them using the Captain Marvel character from the 1960s. I, I think it makes more sense for them to retcon that into a future season of Agent Carter. Um, a period piece with him, maybe set in the late 1940s around the time of the Roswell crash, when alien hysteria was at its highest, that makes a certain amount of sense. Uh, I think you could do Captain Marvel uh, on television, either S.H.I.E.L.D. or Agent Carter, and I think you can do a cameo by Chris Pratt as Star-Lord. I don't think they necessarily have to be linked. Mm. Um, and given the logistics of it, unless they're going to make Star-Lord's return to Earth a, an integral subplot of the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I can't see really them having Chris Pratt on Earth. The, the, the cheapest way to do it is basically have a communication like a, you know, a picture phone kind of uh, set up where he is corresponding with somebody at S.H.I.E.L.D. or somebody on Earth, and you get to see him. Maybe you see something in the background of, uh, of Rocket or Groot, um, and those are the easiest to do because they're animated and they don't really need to bring one of the other actors in for it. Yeah, I would, I would make it just a communication or an encounter in space between, say, Kree spies or, well, it'd have to be Kree spies, but a communication to Earth or encountering the expeditionary team on their way to Earth would be the ways to do it because I don't think they want him to actually return to Earth. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so that would be my way of tackling that. So, but we'll see. But uh, the Agent Carter idea, I think, is actually really cool for Marvel because if you have a alien spy on Earth, and we have Peggy handle the situation, uh, you have him die at the end, saving the Earth. That clears the board for the. Captain Marvel movie, and you have the male Captain Marvel introduced in the female-led series, clearing the way for the female-led movie. I think it actually works nicely because I, I, I'd hate to see the Kree Captain Marvel just kind of run over and completely ignored. But I want the Captain Marvel movie with with Carol to be standalone and and not overly tied to a male character by the same name. And putting him in the 1940s or the early 1950s in some future Agent Carter season gives enough distance or time between his character and the Carol Danvers character that we'll see, I guess, around 2017. Is that yeah. when that film is coming out? Something like yeah. that, yeah. You know, I mean, the Marvel Universe is rich enough and deep enough to be able to do things in multiple generations, in multiple decades around the same time, and have the stories bleed into each other just enough. 
exactly. just to show the connection. Yeah, I think that'd be a nice way to do it. I really do. Well, anyway, we're we're at the beginning of uh, the mid-season of season two of Agents of Shield. We're counting down to May one for Age of Ultron. So there's lots of good stuff happening. But uh, Jerry, always value your time and your thoughts on Agents of Shield and Marvel overall. Well, thanks for having me. It's fun. My pleasure. And everyone, thank you for tuning in. Stay geeky, America. Stay geeky.